Hello and welcome to another episode of the Botcast, the music podcast. Um, we're going to talk about all the, well, some music from November and December because it's been a bit patchy. Hi there. Yeah, uh, little um, not not as many sort of heavy hitters this month. Few sort of interesting things, um, but nothing that's blown me away really. Yeah, uh, but, some, um, but some good, but some good records. Some yeah. good records. It feels like October kind of drained all of the good music out of the year. Yes, like everything happened in yeah. very quick succession. Very much so. Very much. Let me get something out of the road okay, quickly. Then right. I'll, I'll I'll start us off with something that I kind of just want to address briefly because I don't really feel like I wanted. I don't want to go too in depth with it because what I've got to say is relatively negative. Okay. Um. But it's not fully dismissive. I still think people should maybe give this a, a this album a listen. I'm talking about the new Mount Eerie, Lost Wisdom Part Two. Okay. Um, basically, Mount Eerie has been in a, a strange position for a while. Uh, Phil Ev 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 You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> um, Mount. Just Elverum, Elverum. For for our listeners at home and for me, you'll give us a little background <laughs> on who Mount Erie is. The so Mount Erie is Phil Elverum, uh, formerly of the Microphones and whatnot. He's basically just a singer songwriter, right. a lo-fi indie type. Right. Okay. Um, and he came out with an album a few years ago called "A Crow Looked at Me," and it was the the. the sung narrative diary of watching his wife die and having to deal with the death of his wife and being a single father and Merry stuff like that. Christmas. It's, <laughs> it's not exactly joyous material. Uh, it's yeah. very, very depressing. But A Crow Looked at Me was absolutely one of the most moving, most beautiful, spectacular albums of, uh, I think it was 2017 it was released. Oh, and yeah. okay. It's it's a hard hard act to follow as well because it's such a turning point mm-hmm. in, in in an act like that sort of career. Um, obviously, it's very morbid, very like uh, you don't want them to keep going through a dark period. Uh-huh. So obviously, things are going to change eventually. The follow up the year after, uh, now only, I think it was called, um, was again different. Uh, still morbid, still like very much so obsessed dealing, with dealing death, with but far more in in a more like I'm dealing with it and I'm moving on kind mm. of phase. Um, this this is an album that's a sequel to an album they did before called Lost Wisdom that was like done ten years ago, right? And it's okay. effectively a collaboration piece, but it's it's one of those ones where like I knew right off the bat that this album wasn't going for the throat like the other ones Mm -hmm. the subject matter had changed significantly and like it's still kind of navel gazing still like kind of miserable and uh like uh uh, not self-obsessed but like kind of lost stuck in it stuck in a rut yeah yeah but it doesn't have that kind of transformative beauty of something like a crow looked at me, or okay. even a now only, it sort of feels like a regression because it's a sequel to a ten-year-old album. It sort of feels like a step backwards, yeah. music, musically and thematically. But like, then again, you can maybe see it as this is just something he's went back to try and embrace a, a future that yeah, makes more okay. sense to him. I don't know. 
either way the album didn't really do a whole lot for me clearly because i've even forgot who he collaborated with i forgot who that poor woman's name is but like it's one of those things like it didn't really land okay. which is a shame because the past two albums were so special and mm. for for like dark reasons but they were special this one feels less special is that um that is becoming increasingly a found more more sort of in hip-hop you feel but uh a sequel to a classic album. Marshall Mathers LP Part 2. Yeah, which is... Look, if we're going to talk about the worst albums of the decade, it's <laughs> it's in there. It's, um, but yeah, I, I'm just trying to think whether there's any specific sequel, not like a, a thematic sequel or anything like that. But a specific sequel to an older album that is good. Yeah. It's something you don't see very often. Yeah, I like, think it's becoming more a thing. Maybe it's just... Uh, maybe it's... Um, uh, pressures to the market, you know. Uh, your best work is behind you. I'm going to release um, Only Built for Cuban Links 2. <laughs> um, which is okay. But... You know, I I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. But I don't know if there's any specifically mm. is part two that is as good. If you can think of <laughs> a specific sequel album, mm. put it in the comments, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's never uh, worked trying no, to get people to no. comment. I mean, the, the, the call to action thing is like an established thing for YouTube. Like mm -hmm. actually calling call into action your your viewer base whatever to try and engage in some way it's because we're not offering a, a discount on a nord vpn or something <laughs> god man too if we had nord vpn money <laughs> imagine what we could do i know i mean we would literally just be doing the exact same thing except we'd probably have cameras and like do like a, a shot reverse shot kind of like video setup yeah you don't need to see my face. The cartoon is much more handsome than me in real life. <laughs> um, I mean, that's the thing as well. It's like I almost always am a fucking wreck during these recording sessions because either I've I've like woken up an hour before we record, or I'm coming home from work. In this case, it's like mm -hmm. I'm I'm home for work of maybe an hour and a half, and I just put my fucking sweatpants on and I want to sit like a slob and drink beer and talk about music. My, my cartoon. Ha, my cartoon face for the channel or for the po podcast uh, has a fuller beard <laughs> and isn't grey-haired. So I, I appreciate the cartoon more. That's the thing. I'm going to have to update those portraits because I don't have a big daft beard anymore and I'm fully bald. And By choice. Listener. By choice. I've shaved my head, I've shaved my beard, except for my moustache. I've kept that. And it's a good looking mustache. I'm gonna have to keep it up. I like this look. You know, mustaches aren't. You know, they they feel. You know, do you think the mustache has suffered because of Movember? Obviously, yes. there's an awareness of mustaches, mm -hmm. but then people that are coming up that never maybe maybe never grew up with mustaches in the background. <laughs> um, I think mustaches. It's, it's become a sort of fad thing. It's like it's yeah. a one month hairstyle. There's that, and then there's the other end of the spectrum where they come across as something that a sex pervert would have. Yeah, and possibly. Slash hipsterism. Yeah, yeah. Certain... Hipsterism has sort of toxified it, where it's like everyone has like the, the mustache that's like kind mm. of almost got that curve to it, where they've put, clearly yeah. put like beard oil in it yeah. and shit like that. 
and that's not really my bag i just want a fucking stupid mustache with a little tuft and that's all that's my that's so, how i want to look yeah you sort, sort of like a new mate lord that has learned to <laughs> to shave off some of yeah yeah. yeah, I want to look like a slightly more cultivated new metaler, which okay. it's a low bar I've set for myself. Very low bar. Yeah. I really should be able to achieve that going forward. I'm sure. Right. Do you want to talk about anything on your own, or do you want to talk about DJ Shadow? Let's let's go for DJ Shadow. Cool. Do you remember the DJ Shadow album that came out in November called Our Pathetic Age? Uh, I've got vague recollections of it. No, I don't remember it either. Um, <laughs> it was 90 minutes long. Yeah. And the yeah. first disc was entirely instrumental or made up of the samples. Mm-hmm. And the second disc was where all the featurings happened. And I have no memory of any of it. <laughs> I know I'll... I didn't hate it. Yeah. I just was bored. <laughs> what were your thoughts? It's, I mean, it's pretty much exactly the the same. All all I can say is like, I, as a quantifier at least, not the biggest DJ Shadow fan. I know he's done some amazing stuff and I've the loved... The first two albums are great. Yeah. yeah. And I've loved some of his collaborations. Like, I fucking love uh, Nobody Speak. Yeah. The one that he did with Run The Jewels. I love uh, the one that he did, a horror show, the one that he did with oh, Danny yes, Brown yeah, yeah, that came out of fucking left field. That Apparently he had did. an EP and he had some features on it and Danny Brown was one of them and that fucking song slaps. Well, he's sort of, yeah. But, he's a sort of frustrating yeah, artist because the production is, uh, on some of this record, the production's really there mm-hmm. and it sort of slaps. But because it's 90 odd minutes, it sort of gets lost in the, <laughs> the sort of the pile up yeah and what is good on the record you very quickly forget <laughs> um yeah it's just just sort of me one of the ones that did stand out to me though the track and again i've already uh, i've already qualified this whole episode as being a little bit more negative than usual because I'm, I'm like in a more negative headspace and also the stuff that's been released this month and the past two months, in fact, hasn't really lit my world on fire. But um, the one thing I noted down is uh, the song Firestorm. Sounds like somebody tried to score a Pirates of the Caribbean fan movie exclusively with garage band loops. <laughs> it's naff as fuck in a way that makes me think it must be a goof. That was my exact verbatim notes there because that track stood out as being significantly more cheap and tacky right. than anything as heard on any like dance album, any sort of electronic album. Okay. It's very fucking, very naff, very cheap sounding. And that is bizarre considering this guy is like known for his production quality. Yeah, Like yeah. it's insane. It sounded so phoned in. And maybe that is the result of like 90 minutes of material. Something's got to give. Yeah. Eventually you're going to create something that sounds like fucking end of the pure variety shit. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, that's pretty pref- much all I remember from the album. <laughs> I have no memory of it. Um, <laughs> I can see it's on my list of things that I've listened to. Yeah. Um, listening to the album 
it's not like it's unpleasant. It's not like it's grating. No. It's just like, you know that sensation of um, being on public transport and trying to read a book or something and yeah. you're sort of tired and you end up reading the same sentence over <laughs> and over and over again to the point where you go like, I've not paid attention in an hour and I'm on this same sentence. So you just decide I'm sort of done with a book. That's what the sort of sensation is like with this album. Pretty much completely forgettable and innocuous and yeah, going to be yeah. forgotten by time. And... Speaking of, this might be a runner here, John, do you remember the new Beck album, Hyperspace? Because I know I listened to it as well. I genuinely gave it what can only be described as a quarter arsed listen. Yeah, I listened to it and I have no memory of it either. Yeah. Um, Beck is another one of those artist maybe much like dj shadow and uh, maybe this is entirely unfair but every album since around about 2000 has been trash <laughs> oh come oh, on boring fucking you didn't you didn't like uh fucking uh, guero or whatever the fuck it was called nah no, I didn't. Yeah. I, I quite liked. It's like DJ Shadow, and like some of the singles were all right. Yeah, like yeah. E Pro, I think was this was e, the right. Uh, that's from the was, one before. Was that it? One. Oh, no, so no, wait. Not... no. Maybe I'm th- maybe I'm getting that wrong. I think I'm thinking of like cell phones dead and Tell stuff. Tell like us that. in the comments if you're. Uh, either way, <laughs> for wrong. Oh, you're right. E Pro and stuff like that. That's not. That they, was okay. They right? stand out as being good. I loved Gamma Ray from Modern Guilt. Oh um, yeah, that was okay. Yeah, that's a great song. That was Gamma all right. Ray. And, like, everything else is just so fucking forgettable. Like, it's very... And I know everyone fucking loved that one last year or the year before. What the fuck was it called? Colours. Oh, that was Colours. That was boring, A lot of people fucking loved that album. And I don't get it. It's so fucking dull. It's boring, man. Is that the one that won won the Grammy or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, it, that just goes to show you, it won a Grammy. That's how fucking clinical and, like, perfectly acceptable that mm. music was. If you're winning Grammys, generally you've made something that's digestible, which means it's boring. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like it's like the majority of Oscar ones don't go to the genuine best film. It goes yeah. to one that was... It's the one that it's the one that tickles that little part of the fucking brain of the old white guys that vote for it. So, you're saying that Beck is like the driving Miss Daisy of, <laughs> or the Green Book of... Oh yeah, he's the Green Book of music, yeah, absolutely. He's the Green Book of indie rock landfill. Okay. Oh, that's a shame. Because, you know, he, you know some, of those, some of those early albums in the 90s where he, he was just ripping off the production of Paul's Boutique <laughs> was... They, they, you know, and, Throwing some fucking shade. In fairness to him, Odalie's great, right? Mm, mm-hmm. I loved it when I was, whatever, nine or eight. And and it's not, that's, that's, not, that, that's, that's not meant to be dismissive, right? 
that it was good at nine or eight, and then and it's one that I will periodically come back to. That wasn't meant to be as shady as it was. <laughs> fucking your your claws have came out but in this episode, man. You're fucking savaging people. It's, it's this one beer. Um, <laughs> it's, it's um, but yeah, Odalie's great, and then. I was like one or two around about that point. Maybe even modern guilt is quite good. I mean, um, that, that's like mid to late two, uh, 2000s. Is that like 2001 or two or something? I think it was later than that. Is it? Yeah. Fuck. I think the one with Cell Phones Dead is in the early 2000s. I can't remember what the fucking album's yeah. called. Basically. Information Age or something like that. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was called. And it's the one that had all the stickers as the cover. Oh, no, I didn't like that one, no. No. Um, I like the... What's the album cover when it's just, like, some cunt's feet? Yeah, that's Modern Guilt. No, was it that one I liked then? I don't know. Modern Guilt is the one with Gamma Ray on it. It's the picture of the guy's feet. And that one's got the stickers? No, that's uh, the one before. I, I would... I, yeah, I, I think Odalie's pretty good. Mm. Uh, I, I must admit I've not listened to it, and it's... I used to listen to it more frequently. <laughs> um... But then nine uh, eleven happened, and I just couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to. N- <laughs> the in- the innocence, like, the innocence flew away. The can, innocence was gone. You can cut that bit out, or you can keep it. It's up to you. I'm keeping the nine eleven joke. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if nine eleven didn't happen. We would all still love Beck. If you can, it's just el- like grow up, Beck. We're living a different time. <laughs> if you can't love Beck anymore, that means a terrace of one, Eamon. Although you know, Beck was the first to, you know, like if we're gonna speak about because we're at the end of the year. Yeah. Have you heard that fucking like? I hate having to admit that I now feel old, but have you seen this sort of country and? country and western rap music they have these days mm. like i don't know the song but you know it's the song like the yeah, big song right? the song yeah i'm gonna take my horse to the and i don't even i don't write, even i don't know the name of the song right but that's how it goes it, i'm the opposite i know the name of the song and i don't know how it goes because somehow i've still not heard it so Co- that old, old country road right so that's how it was sort of an old town road old town old road. road old town road and and on Odaly, there is a sort of mashup, isn't there, of a guy two turntables and a microphone, mm. and then the sort of country western stuff. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that Beck has. Let's go on to the next album because Beck, Beck sowed the seeds for the downfall of music, is what you're saying. In in some way, but <laughs> in some ways maybe, but at, you know, in 1990, whatever, when I was nine. Um, that was sort of funny, like, haha, it's hip-hop and, <laughs> and country-western music, and it just shows you how far we've slid as a society. Um, Lil Nas X is actually a pretty cool guy. Is that? Lil Nas X is the the guy who made, made the song, the big country. Lil Nas X? Lil Nas, I believe his he's full name, his full given name is Lil Nas X. Is Christian? <laughs> I don't understand. Is Lil Nas X? I believe. Like Nas is an Elmatic Nas. Yeah, but, but with an X. And he's Lil as well. Yeah, Lil Nas Ten. I'm pretty sure he's Lil Nas X Ten. Yes, I'm pretty sure uh, that's his actual given okay. name. No, fine. That's... Um, so so hyperspace. I don't remember. Um, 
uh, Beck. Yeah, listen to it if you want. Um, Here, or don't. You know what else I remember? What's that? I remember Block Party. You know who... You know who used to be in Block Party and kind of still is and also had an album out the past month to everyone's bewilderment? The guitarist? Uh, no, he's still just looking after his Remember fringe. Remember what, Floppy? What was his name? <laughs> no one knows his name because he's just a fringe and a guitar. Uh, Keely, on the other hand, okay. Keely uh, has another album out, another solo album uh, called 2042. And the album title... A year that the world will never see. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, judging by the way things are going, we might not get to 2042. However, it's a very... That album title alone is a political statement. It's the year that apparently is projected that the British Isles will no longer be a majority white country. Okay. It's uh, the the... What people are projecting will be the year where quote-unquote minorities overtake the white British majority. Okay. Uh, and the whole album is basically a, a kind of... It's, 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 it's delving into Keeley's wheelhouse of, like, sexual, like, social, political, everything you could you could hope for for Keeley, because Keeley is actually a very socially aware person. He's a gay black man trying to make dance indie mm-hmm. stuff and some of it has been a little bit more on the nose than others and this is very much him on the nose as on the nose can be okay um it's not bad the album isn't bad it's confusing <laughs> all right okay um like sonically confusing yes or? it's all over the place uh there's like world music influences mixed in clunkily like sitting not mixed in in fact it's like sitting in shoulder to shoulder with like very bog standard indie electronica stuff okay so they don't mesh they're not Mm. blended properly it's just it's almost like he's taken a mishmash of songs some of which he's just decided to make bog standard indie stuff and then the other ones he's decided to go on like this weird sonic musical world music journey um it doesn't quite hang together and the political statements are uh, you can totally sympathize with them but they do seem a little bit kind of undermined by the toothlessness of the the music itself like the actual album doesn't feel like it's got any ferocity or bite so like the the political statements kind of get lost right okay in this confusing morass that he's created hmm. so admirable but messy so a sort of interesting flawed yeah and okay. it's made me just yearn for the good old days of block party again because i liked silent alarm and I liked Weekend in the City. Uh, like those old block party albums. I quite like the albums. third one as well. Um, yeah. Um, oh God, what the, Intimacy. Like, That's I, a great album. Like, I, um, maybe it's because we're coming to the end of the decade. Like, I'm more reflective on hmm. music um, at the start of the decade compared to now. And I, as you can attest, very quickly went off indie Oh yeah. Before 
um, before a lot of people went off it. Yeah. And I I think the reason you had the Block Party album is because mm-hmm. I gave you it. Yep, you gave I, me your, co- your copy of Silent Alarm. Yeah. I had it, I liked it, and then I got fed up with it. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of indie at the time, and I just sort of, eh. But they're the ones that, if I was to go back and listen to mm. the sort of mid-2000s guitar indie landfill, yeah. Um, they're the ones that really stand out. Them and maybe the first two Franz Ferdinand albums. I, I would, um, I would, and there, there's some other bands, but they they were the ones that were like, mm. yeah, they. I would go back to them and then go. Oh no, I I like them. I go back for the third Franz Ferdinand album as well. I, like I the don't third even one. really remember it. Um, so I'll, I'd need to re-listen to it. Some really um, fun stuff on it. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, you're right. Like Block Party is absolutely one of those like standout examples of indie stuff that you know kinda... they want like the Pigeon Detectives or yeah, all, yeah. all those bands that were named Hard after <laughs> named after animals with <laughs> a the at the start. Oh god, the one that really fucks me up, the one that I hate maybe the most out of all of them is the Cooks. Oh god, yeah, because yeah. because of that new, one yeah. song. She moves in her own way. Oh, that was annoying. I, I, I fucking hate that song. I hate it so really, fucking that much. Was really poor. It was everywhere as well. It still is. People still fucking listen to it. It's like that dancing in the moonlight. It's like that yeah, fucking song that I fucking hate. Yeah, but what's happened now though is that we're thirty. Okay. <laughs> yeah. People around about people of our generation are now reaching the mid-30s and because they like that at 13, 14, 15, it's now become sort of as embarrassing as the dad rock stuff was when we were teenagers. It's like our dads and our older cousins maybe were into sort of, you know, they were nostalgic whilst we were teenagers for the stuff in the 80s. Mm And our generation has come of age whereby we're now reminiscing about shit music from our own youth. <laughs> which it's, I, yeah, I so I, there's a lot. I mean, if anything with this podcast, what we sort of wanted to do with it, I guess, was just to go. There is still good music out there. Yeah, yeah. you can be in your thirties <laughs> and not listen to the Cooks. Um, yeah. It's, it, and also, it's to challenge ourselves to not fall into that trap. Yeah. To not become these wanks that just sit about and wax nostalgic about how good music used to be and how I mean, it's bad yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I have no nostalgia for my own past whatsoever outside no. of remembering pre-9-11 Beck. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> music before 9-11 was objectively better. Yeah. Clearly. Um, but, but yeah... <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that tangent, but it, it, it might be interesting enough to stay in the edit. It, <laughs> yeah, it ultimately comes down to the idea of like we 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 suffered through the worst of the indie landfill mm-hmm. generation, and, now... and I'm in no way nostalgic for it. No, absolutely there's a, not. There's a lot of nostalgia, maybe misplaced nostalgia, um, for uh, the horrors of new metal and emo and we'll get on to my chemical romance later <laughs> but i don't i don't you know like this sh- like the the shit music that i was into mm-hmm. i don't still love it 
No. I no. now am at an age where I go like, no, it was objectively shit. <laughs> <laughs> can't. Yeah. You know, whereas I think, and there's nothing wrong with that in some ways, you know, no, if you no. like it, fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't listen to static (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing i i even liked that band like i did like that band when Uh i was when i was uh a dumb teenager but i can listen to that now and i can enjoy it for what it is but i won't sit there and fucking wax lyrical about it i won't try and preach and and Uh pretend that it was good just because it was something i grew up on yeah i know that these things are objectively (laughs) shite and you need to be able to do that because I... otherwise you're going to end up with the rise of Skywalker. And it's one of those things. It's like you need to understand that the fucking the past isn't some fucking consecrated, beautiful, yeah. like uh, untouchable. You just happen to like, be younger. Yeah, it's just yeah. you were younger. You remember liking it. You grew up with it, whatever. It doesn't mean that the past is some fucking jewel that you can look back on like and just with big watery eyes like it used to be good back then it can still be good now you just need to be able to fucking open your mind and realize that there's other things to like no yeah you can't just like the same shit forever it's like that's is one of the reasons why we're in the mess that we're in because people can't move past their fucking past yeah obsessed with a shite and it bugs me i had a fucking tantrum about all the 80s shite a couple of episodes ago and like how fucking the Stranger Things nostalgia wank of the 80s and 90s and shite like that is ruining media. And it is because it's just everyone's trapped in this idea that like you need to keep mating the Goonies, you have to keep mating Ghostbusters, you have to keep mating the same shite over and over again and we end up with absolute dreck as a result. No, I know. And and in many ways... uh, Lil Nas X <laughs> is a good thing mm-hmm. for me as a 30-year-old man. I don't understand it. I want <laughs> to be challenged by your the new music that comes along. Yeah. Um, yeah. Keep making your country western hip-hop. Uh, and we, we won't pretend to get it. I won't pretend to get it. If you make a genuinely good country western hip-hop mm-hmm. album and I happen to listen to it, I will go fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So, that tangent aside, what yep. main album do you want to talk about? What, um, what's your big standout for... What, what's any standout for this month? So, there's been a couple of sort of interesting albums. Um, now we're coming to the end of the year. People are, you know, the journalists and all that are doing their, their top ten of the year. And there's a lot of praise going for the new FKA Twigs. Oh, yeah. Magdalene. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of ghosty, sort of spec, quite spectacle, spectral R and B, and if I'm honest, I don't get the massive critical love for it. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the production's great, and her singing is is interesting. But it, this album, for me at least, feels slightly one note. Um, yeah. It's, it's it's a good album, um, and I just don't think it's as experimental as the praise it's getting. Yeah, it, like it's okay, mm-hmm. but it's it's sort of so it's if you've not listened to it, it sort of takes sort of some of what Bjork was doing. You can feel her as an influence, and and 
um, maybe like the XX production stuff, like sort mm. of quite pared back, slow R and B jams, and it's it's very much a breakup album, and and her singing's great, and some of the heartache on it is interesting, but I I just was not won over by it. It's good. I think maybe it would work better as an EP cut down some of the songs if it was like yeah. a four track five track thing yeah um then you're okay to have the sort of quite limited sonic palette that it has um it sounds like i'm being really harsh with this record <laughs> but it's it is good mm-hmm. it's just a bit samey after yeah after whatever it is eight nine ten tracks <laughs> That's the problem. It's it's a very worthy album. Yeah, it's admirable and like kind of and and pretty. It's very pretty. It's a pretty thing yeah, to listen yeah. to. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous to listen yeah. to. It's, it's just a bit hollow. Yeah, for me. Yeah, you it, know, it's one of those albums that I can I, I I listened to it twice. Yeah, and not once did anything stick. Yeah, I'm this exact. Like same. it's very very pleasant, but yeah, it just became background noise. Yeah. Um, you know, there was another album this month, um, uh, between November and December, that is a sort of, that is, I would argue, more interesting. Uh, it's in the same sort of uh, field. It's sort of quite odd, esoteric R&B. It's an album called uh, Athena by Sudan Archives. And it's sort of, once again, it's sort of more spectral R&B, but it, it incorporates more various productions. Um, she is a violinist as well as a sort of R&B vocalist. Okay. So it's, it's sort of got this sort of nice um, sort of classical training to it. Mm. And the violin work in it is, is quite interesting because you can sort of, you know, you can use that in the various emotional states that she goes through on the album. Uh, it's an interesting record. Um, I think it's pretty cool. I've got not got much to say about it, but I would argue this month, um, that's the more interesting, sort of well-produced, strange R&B record. So, yeah, Sudan Archives, uh, yeah, just wins out over um, FK Twigs for me this month. Um, so yeah, I, I would recommend. I, I I would recommend both of them, but yeah, yeah. I would you, go yeah. with the latter for more interesting. Okay, I'm gonna <clears throat> clear my throat for a. <clears throat> it's Coldplay. Everyday life is my pig stinker of the month. Oh dear. Um, not really a month. <laughs> it's been like almost two, but to be fair. This would be a stinker of the year. Um, <laughs> it's really in there, um, and this is this is coming from me. I have like slightly more sympathetic Coldplay bones in my body. You don't. Yeah. You're very Coldplay dismissive. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I gave I, this I an him. honest to god chance. I tried. I really tried. I listened to it twice, which is no fucking small effort. Because here's the here's the kicker. Here's uh-huh. the fucking turn and the prestige here. It's a fucking double album. Oh Christ. So it gets awarded stinker points for being a double album. 
Are we in Stadium Arcadium territory <laughs> here? Abso-fucking-lutely. Oh but imagine Stadium Arcadium if the Red Hot Chili Peppers went like that. You know what? People really seem to like all this slap-based stuff and all that. Let's just not do that. Let's make a bunch of fucking absolute nonsense, like pseudo-world music, pseudo-experimental, oh, no. warbly nonsense for fucking oh, two no. discs worth of material. I don't know what they were going for, and I don't understand. Coplay are a very, very big act, very big stadium act. Everyone plays them on the fucking radio. They're all over the radio. I don't know. I think it's 16 tracks. I don't know which of any of these fucking songs are the single. None of them uh-huh. sound like standout Nothing hits. jumps out. Nothing. Everything is just one continuous bum note for so long it's such a long boring thing made of weird musical decisions that i don't know where it came from and to a degree i admire it because it is so fucking dumb and stupid and weird considering they're so successful and they could have just made money they could have and and they're going to make money regardless because people look people are idiots and they're going to go and see them no matter what yeah but there's nothing on this album that anyone could grasp and go this is the banger this is the big right. radio banger. There's nothing on this. It's nothing of substance to it at all. And that, my friends, is the new Coldplay album. <laughs> and was that your... Pig Stinker of the Month? Absolutely. Solid, solid... Pig Stinker of the Month. Fair enough. Um, and yeah, uh, like, like I said, uh, something of an admirable fucking disaster... Okay. It's like the Southland Tales of music. Except I love Southland Tales and I did not love this oh. album. You can join us on a separate podcast where every month we can discuss why John is wrong about Southland I Tales. I will happily make a fucking podcast every month where we have to watch Southland Tales every month and we have to talk about it because I can watch Southland Tales until the fucking cows come home whenever that is. If you are the only other person that enjoyed Buffy the Rock and Staffler <laughs> in <laughs> Southland Tales, the fucking people won't even know what we're talking about here. Yeah, people don't really know this movie, but yes, indeed. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Rock from the wrestling, and Stifler from the Fuck Pie movie. Make a Marxist film about the end of the world. It's <laughs> That's great. It's a. It's great. It's, it's so not. It's, it's it's ruminations on the elite. It's ruminations on the fucking the idea of anarchy, and it's ruminations on the infinite because it's also for some reason no. about two entities having the cosmic handshake. No, it and is. It, no, it's not. Is I not. want to have the cosmic handshake with fucking Richard Kelly because he made one of my favourite movies of all time. Well, you, that movie's called Donnie Darko, you, and he also made Southland Tales. <laughs> Take that, Richard Kelly. Um, oh my god, no! It's what a buffoon Richard Kelly is when you think about it. Like, how the fuck did he fuck that up? Everyone loved him. Donnie Darko basically gave him infinite amounts of uh, like positivity in the world. And he managed to bleed it dry in two movies. Well, that's that's what you know. Everybody, you know, sort of young indie director is like. Well, let's let's give him a chance. <laughs> and it's like, well, this is a weird film. <laughs> um, as so basically as soon as anybody, when the film comes out, as soon as anybody goes, 
you won't really get it until you've read the graphic novels that I've also written before. <laughs> it's going right. It's going to be a piece of shit, right? It's... I can't deny that it is a piece of shit, but it's my piece of shit. Fair enough. If if I was going to argue, there's a a terrible film that for whatever reason I love. Yeah. It would be Guy Ritchie's Revolver. Oh, really? It's so bad. Okay. But there seems to be something going on in that film. Maybe, you know, yeah. basically the film is uh, what happens when you take too much cocaine <laughs> and then you talk about, like, Eastern philosophies, like, oh, yeah, and gold is a colour and, and green is a colour and everything is colour-coded in my film. Um, it's so dunderheaded and <laughs> bizarrely made that there's something fascinating about it. maybe we'll start a separate podcast yeah. where we talk about films that are fascinating but ostensibly yeah. bad <laughs> yeah fascinating disasters yeah like i remember watching revolver on your recommendation and thinking i don't hate this and it wasn't a rec anybody listening it's not a recommendation it's just like watch this yeah. film what the yeah. fuck's going on you've got to see it because there's something here. The police are just driving past because we were both in praise of Southland Tales and Revolver. It's unprecedented, and I would love to talk about it more, but unfortunately we've got to talk about the new Cattle Decapitation album. Yeah, alright, okay. Um, Is this your album of the month, John? No. No, it's not mine either. Yeah. Um, uh, Cattle Decapitation Death Atlas is an album about how fucked we all are. Yeah. And that is totally i'm vibing with that right now because uh -huh. we are all fucked because don't know about you guys but kind of feel like we've suffered yet another loss um and it's just one in a long long line of losses yeah. so cattle decapitation was a very very welcome little addition to my my rotation in the uh -huh. past month because i've just felt so fucking angry and it was nice to have an album that was as angry as me yeah it is not a great album. Yes. It's very, very solid death metal. Yeah, I... But nothing more than that. Yeah, I had I had issues with this album. I I, I thought it was sort of a real mixed bag. Hmm. I, I sort of thought it was more interesting um, than your sort of standard boilerplate death metal. But some of the experiments on it don't work. What was it that has held you back from calling it a great album just the fact that it didn't you know you know my criteria for great metal yeah is like the bar was set with things like the satanist and stuff like that and like yeah. or if you wanted to go to pure fucking mindless territory and stuff it's like you could I, I would even go like nails level of like i just wanted to be fucking aggressive and yeah. just like just all out this album feels like it's trapped somewhere between yeah I'd, I'd, I'd go with that it's not it never once feels like it goes as heavy as it needs to and yet it also never fully waxes into um it doesn't go if you're gonna be experimental yeah you or you want to try a different sound than your typical death metal yeah could you got to 
really go with it. Yeah, you've got we, to get into the like the shoegazy style that yeah. like death, death heaven stuff like that would go for. You need to go for something that uh, feels a bit more like cinematic almost. Yeah, I think because yeah. they've even got the little interludes that almost. You know what it reminded me of though? Yeah, those little uh, the spoken word interludes it reminded me of uh, uh, the second law and drones, the two Muse oh, albums. Fuck. Where it's oh, all about like God. little sound clips and stuff like that to frame the political statements. Oh. So they can't make the political statements in the songs because literally all you hear is <laughs> So you can't make the statements there. You need to make the statements in yeah. sound bites yeah, in between yeah. the songs. So And yeah. Mm, oh yeah. God. Just just as a little run on now. Mm. Um if you met you know, mentioning drones <laughs> There's another one you can put on the worst of the decade. That's a fucking shitter. I love Drones. You're fucking insane. Drones that are great. That's a terrible Dr- album. Drones was the best Muse album since Black Holes and Revelations. And that says what? <laughs> I don't know what it says. It's terrible. But, I, but guess what? I just said it. <laughs> It is terrible. It's anyway, but yes, ta- cattle decapitation. I had the sort of same issues with it. Yeah. Um, for a state of the world album, it doesn't feel as sort of like right. Get up and act on this. Yeah. It feels like more like oh, this is a state of the world, but we're not really gonna invigorate you about it or just gonna no. oh we're gonna die yeah it's a it's a, nihil, it's a nihilistic <laughs> yeah. record a pointlessly nihilistic record yeah and and i must admit um his his vocals began to or the the more specific type of vocals that you get on this album where it's sort of slightly higher register very nasal almost like eh, my goblin sort of <laughs> vocals started to grate yeah. on me after a while it's Decent death metal for what it needs to be. Yeah. It, it was a very, very good way for event over the past like couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. It was just a, it was one of those cathartic albums along with another album that we'll talk about in another episode. Oh, but, right. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Unfortunately, it's just yeah. another one of those albums. Is there anything else there that you want to? There is one more before my album of the month. Speaking of experimental metal. Uh, there was a new album by Liturgy called H-E-Q-Q. Uh, it's black metal, mm-hmm. not death metal. <laughs> uh, it's black metal, American sort of black metal, and it's sort of more in the the vein of sort of death heaven. Um, you know, sort of it's not the purest black metal. It's It's very much black metal with jeans and, <laughs> and and we're wearing t-shirts yeah. um, instead of the corpse paint and the rest <laughs> of it and it's a weird album i quite liked it by the end basically what it is is it's sort of drony strange almost experimentally jazz influenced uh black metal but it's got a sort of glitchy electronica running through it Mm. so it's sort of like if someone took a crystal castles record and rammed it into a sort of um just your typical black metal record this is sort of where you would get to it's it's very strange and very odd and when i first listened to it it's very off-putting first sort of track i was like this is and I like my weird stuff, but this is weird. Mm-hmm. In terms of metal that I've listened to this year, there has been some good metal. Uh, this is very much 
one of the stranger big releases that I've heard. Um, and it might be off-putting initially, but I would say stick with it. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I gave it a couple of lessons as well, and it was like one of those ones where I know for a fact it's going to grow on me. Yeah, I know it. I know it will. I just I don't I don't really have enough opinions formulated on it right now to really. All I know is that in the opening track, there's definitely blasts of what sounds like fucking recorder yes, all over it. Yeah, and immediately I was just like, You're sort of okay, this is going to take a little Shadow bit. Shadow <laughs> peanuts, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like somehow they managed to throw that through an angry computer, and yeah. that's what came out, and. Yeah, it's going to take a lot more uh, ruminating, a lot more lessons, but yeah, there's definitely something there, there's something to chew on there. It is definitely experimental music. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like um, uh, the Shoo Shoo album this year, which I know you we talked about maybe in the first one of the year. Um, that yeah. you, I don't think, were initially into... First real episode of the year we talked about yeah. it, and you were very positive about it. I've or, become or, less positive about it. You were, <laughs> I've listened to it more. You were like, well, you were trepidatiously positive, where yeah. you were like, you appreciated the experimentation, and you, expe- you appreciated the aggressiveness and the dark tone and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm now... I'm like right up there. Yeah. I'm like at the point now where I'm like actually a shoe shoe mark. Um, Fair enough. Almost overnight. Don't know what happened. It, something just clicked. It was that election. <laughs> it's just like, oh, fuck this. It broke my brain. It broke it, your brain. It broke my it's brain. Like, how can people vote this way? And then you got into shoe shoe. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there it is. If you want to get into shoe shoe, have your entire ideology crumble around you. And you never know, maybe. (laughs) Maybe you'll be into it. Maybe you'll Um, get into it. Because you know what? That album, Girl With Basket Fruit, it's a fucking killer album. It's a good album, isn't it? It's really, really good. Yeah. So that's that's sort of all the ones that I want to speak about outside of my album of the the month. I've got a very strong feeling you and I don't have the same album of the month. So I'll just say okay out the gate well in fact i'll give an honorable mention just now something that i don't really feel like i i gave enough time to but i do want to give a little bit of a nod to i finally like a big boy listened to my first full all the way through uh czarface record all right okay uh because they released a new one. Oh, did they I? Okay. yeah i can't remember the fucking name of it yeah uh oh the odds are uh, the odds are against us mm. is what it's called <laughs> okay um and never, i quite, never I quite enjoyed it titles. quite uh, enjoyed it i quite enjoyed it i oh, thought cool. it was perfectly acceptable uh like kind of just sort of very lo-fi sounding hip-hop fair enough that blended nicely into the background while i was playing world of warcraft yes that's how low i am right now as a person i'm so miserable and depressed i got back into world of warcraft that's how sad and tired I am. Well, when um, when the world of Warcraft <laughs> resembles more of a co- cohesive reality <laughs> than the real world, yeah, like at least Bane and Jaina are talking; they're on talking terms, and the world makes sense. And in the real world, nothing makes sense, and everything's terrible. So there we go. Yeah. Um. But yeah, on to my album of the month. I really enjoyed Have a Nice Life, Sea of Worry. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Have a Nice Life is a band that I've liked for a long time. And of course, I'm a big Giles Corey mark. 
Um, and uh, one of the main guys from Have a Nice Life is is Giles Corey. Okay. Um, this album is significantly less navel gazy and uh, sort of just straight up like kind of measurable as their other releases. I actually listened to it. Really? I, I have listened. Okay. I did listen to it, but I didn't include it in my list this yeah. month. I didn't yeah. think you would have. But I like. Yeah, I liked it. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I think it probably is just my disp- my 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 uh, sorry my pre disposition predisposition yeah predisposition yeah. to uh, to this band because I really really like Death Consciousness. Yeah, I love Giles Corey's self titled, and I think that vibe again because of how fucking miserable things have been recently. I think Sea of Worry just sort of clicked because it's not 100% miserable and navel-gazy. There's something a little bit more energetic. Yeah, yeah. Something a little bit more eclectic It's got it. sort of more sort of... It's got these weird sort of 80s goth rock influences yeah, across yeah. it. It's sort of like the cure almost. Aye, some of it. I guess genuinely kind of sort of post- punky yeah. like a little bit sort of new romantic-y like gothy and stuff like that no, it's I got thought it was pretty cool. I all sorts it. of cool stuff going on in it but of course in classic uh in classic have a nice life giles corey fashion the last track the big fucking 12 minute one destinos uh-huh. has a big vocal sample from a crazy preacher type oh, who's yeah, talking sure, about yeah, satan yeah. and stuff like that yeah. but it builds into this weird like sort of layers and layers of vocals underneath that reminded me a lot of the Giles Corey self-titled and like I believe that that sort of atmosphere that that conjured mm-hmm. up just sort of that solidified my my belief that this is genuinely going to be like one of those albums I'll keep coming back to. Yeah. A lot, a lot, lot better than a lot of people were giving it credit for. Yeah, it sort of got some real middling reviews yeah. and I quite liked it. Yeah. Like I, I heard it before I saw the reviews of it and I was like, I don't know if it's that. Yeah. Like, I didn't include it in my list, but it was there until... It was basically just, like, I had too many albums that I'd listened <laughs> to, so I was like, well, I'll talk about uh, some others. But I really liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a very strong entry into the year of stuff, but also at the same time, I'm like, I know for a fact it's more just about me and uh-huh. my personal preferences just now. This album, as much as I like it, I understand why people don't like it. Yeah. I guess. I guess I understand why people don't like it. It's just, I, 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 yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, cool. And it is, unfortunately, my album of the month that really, in some respects, speaks to how like thin on the ground a lot of releases have been. Like, There's been not yeah. a whole lot of stuff that really has been able to contest with it. Um. Yeah, it's we've had some real killer stuff in the past couple of months, and yeah. this is the standout album for me. And like some people, that make me people's fucking heads spin around. But yeah, no, no, no. So, what's your album of the month? My album of the month, um, it's a metal release. Okay. Um, it's just a fucking kick in the head. I love it. <laughs> it's um the new album by Blood Incantation. Okay. Hidden History of the Human Race. It is sort of... Remember we spoke... Um, there was a band a couple of episodes ago, like um, Tomb Mold. Yeah. A Canadian band. Uh, very much sort of similar themes. Um, sort of alien visitations and, and sort mm. of 
um, dystopian future. Um, but this band, Blood Incantation, they're American, and this album is just great. This is first out, first. It's so sort of strange and experimental, but it sort of works. Okay, and they do that thing that for me, cattle decapitation didn't do. Where if you're going to bring in different sounds, you got to go really full-hearted into it mm. so there's moments on this album of uh where the guitar sound unusually for death metal is very clean it almost gets psychedelic at certain points it okay. is ambient at certain points in the record the first song on the album um is the sort of the most typical death metal song that you could get on the album it's not typical in terms of what they're doing with the instrumentation and the rest of it but it's the sort of one that you could play to just the die hard death metal heads it's got elements of sort of early slayer or thrash metal maybe sort of a kill kill them all metallica uh and then after that every subsequent track there's only four songs on the record um (laughs) gets stranger and weirder the second song brings in sort of more middle eastern instrumentation and the playing gets unusual and it's you know when it wants to thrash and go a mile a minute it will but when it wants to take a little softer a little more meditative it will do that as well to the point where the last track um is 18 minutes long jeez and it goes through it's more like a suite in mm. a song almost okay. it goes through different sort of phases it'll thrash and then it'll get ambient and it'll get more meditative but it's always propulsed along by this sort of great percussion and great bass work the instrumentation on it is fantastic I it's become a cliche every every metal album that I listen to in this uh, series I always say it. So far, it's it's the best metal album of the year. But <laughs> this one is we're in December. There's no other metal album this year <clears throat> that I think has the just sort of balls to just like let's just go weird. Like let's just have really paid it back. Really strange instrumentary instrumentation. Bring in sort of stranger influences. The diehards. Um, that just want some sort of just brutal death metal might not be into this but I think it's great Um, it certainly has more ideas on it in less time than (laughs) Slapknot's latest album or Mm. whatever else the big metal releases this year Um, yes great well there we go Okay, we're doing the Bot Club bit now. And I'm calling it Bot Club from now on because it just occurred to me that Book and Balk are literally one letter away. Um, oh, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So you were tasked mm-hmm. with My Chemical Romance's The Black Parade. Okay, so um, it was always going to be difficult to follow Toilet by Clowncore. <laughs> All right. Um, I still listen to your review of that sometimes just to cheer myself up. It's Clown Core's a great record. Um, <laughs> I 
we went into My Chemical Romance. Um, I, I I put my my uh, my teenage hatred for them aside. I was like, you're going to listen to this fairly, and you're not going to go in with any preconceptions. And I don't love this album. Um, um, but what was interesting for me, at least personally, was how this album aged me. <laughs> um, because the passion that I hated this album with as a teenager, having not properly listened to it, <laughs> is disproportionate. <laughs> Or maybe it speaks to youth in general. Yeah. The passion that I hated this album I never heard as a teenager <laughs> pales in comparison to the passion I love for the albums I love yeah. 14 years later. Um, the production is better than a lot of the albums of its elk produced in the same era. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... My problem and a lot of people's problem with My Chemical Romance at the time was that they were always in the same field as the metalheads in some way. Yeah. And metal production at the time, mid-2000s, looking back on it, mostly it was terrible. (laughs) But the production on this album is better because I think it's been produced as a pop rock record. Mm -hmm. And that's what the band were. Mm-hmm. You know, they they would play to the same audiences as the Download Festival ever with the Metalheads, but really they're not. Really, my issue with the album, and we'll go into the track by track, and yeah. it's just a personal thing. It's not. It's not a bad record by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't like sort of pomp or rock operas, mm. or anything like that. Like, I hate Queen. Yeah. Anything like that. And and the influences of Queen and rock operas on this album, it being a concept album and the rest of it, just rubbed me up the wrong way. Yeah. Um, the first song's called The End. I wish it was. <laughs> um, a little joke for you there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it sort of sets out this theme. It's a guy dying. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be the story of him effectively, I guess, joining this Black Parade. Because uh, the Black Parade is Which death. is death, right? Yeah. It's real clever. <laughs> um, the second song, Dead, exclamation mark. Um, and this is where I listened to this year, this album with the ears of a 30-year-old. I basically figured out that this sounds like teenage music mm-hmm. for teenagers. So it didn't really affect me <laughs> in any way, really. There's a lot of sort of guitar noodliness on it and a lot of la-la-la-la-la mm-hmm. on it that I was annoyed by. But fine, whatever. This is how I disappear. Um, this is a sort of attempt at a heavier sound. Um, and and looking at it all these years later, the, the emo sort of vernacular that they are they're very strongly identified mm. with now it seems very quaint and, and less annoying <laughs> than i i would have then i would have thought possible in all honesty mm-hmm. 
Um, it, the album continues with The Sharpest Lives, which is another sort of typical song structure. My issue with them listening to it, having never listened to them, is a lot of the songs are quite repetitive. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of there's an expectation of a huge chorus coming up after a more sort of la 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 sort of thing yeah. before it crashes into a big thing and then it's very emotionally overwrought and it's it's sort of bleeding with a sort of teenage passion <laughs> and you're fine if you're into that you've mm-hmm. got fourteen versions of that <laughs> but it just sort of sounds quite samey after a while for yeah. me. Uh, Welcome to the Black Parade is the big single. It has a sort of plinky piano um, that is so emotionally overwrought, it is pure cheese. <laughs> um, and then the biggest offence on this song is this sort of terrible sub-slash from Guns N' Roses guitar work that happens in the middle of it. You know, you can just imagine... Sort of my chemical romance outside a church oh, yeah. after Axel Rose has got married, <laughs> and it's just fucking awful. Um, and then it goes into a sort of punk pop chorus, sort of chug along things. Um, and this this was the biggest thing in the album that I didn't like. I still hate this single. I hated it at the time, and I yeah. still don't like it. Yeah. Um, the next one is I don't love you which is a sort of uh, more sombre thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, the theatrics very much stay the same. Um, there's another... I would have spaced these two songs apart. There's another <laughs> sort of cliched hair metal riffage in the middle. Mm. And, yeah, it's sort of another... Yeah, it's sort of similar to the last track. House of Wolves, uh, rumbling, very Misfits-like... Um, cancer follows that this is like the ballad um, and his pronouncing of typically the last word of the line I noticed is is you know he comes to the final word of the, the stanza or whatever that's beginning to grate on me by this point in the album yeah he knows how to wrench syllables yeah, it's, yeah. it feels very much like here it comes and <laughs> It became it became quite um, annoying. Uh, Mama is a sort of Gogol Bordello attempt, sort of more gypsy punk yeah. sort of thing. It's maybe the most fun song. It's okay, in the yeah, album. I, would, I would go with that. It's, yeah. probably, it's probably the most fun. Uh, Sleep is, um, to my ears at least, the instrumental on it sounds exactly like Eels Novocaine for the Soul. <laughs> Uh, and I like Novocaine for the Soul by Eels. So coincidentally, I like this song the best. <laughs> um, then you have Teenagers, which is the only thing I've written for this is as annoying as it was in 2006. <laughs> and then you've got a couple of tracks at the end, uh, Disenchanted, Famous Last Words, and then a hidden track called Blood. They're all sort of okay. Yeah. Um. I don't know how I felt about this record. Like, I... It was always going to be a tough sell for me. Yeah. I was going in... As much as I say I was going in, um, I had a history with this record of not liking it. <laughs> but looking back on the time and, and this album, I don't know where that teenage hatred came from. 
it's just not a pop rock record to my tastes. And in some ways, it's quite... It's sort of like the end of an era. And yeah. And in some ways, it's quite uh, bittersweet. Mm. This is not on the record, but just how it made me think about it. When you think about sort of tribes of British music fans, sort of that... Emos were sort of like the last one really yeah it's like as soon as you know youtube sort of became a thing um you were not having to go to record shops or sit outside virgin mega stores or the gallery of modern art in glasgow mm. to meet everyone and it it then went online more yeah so and this is not anything to do with the record, but it sort of made me think like quite nostalgically about my own youth. I was not an emo. Mm-hmm. I was a, a metalhead snob. Um, <laughs> but, you know, all of that added up. I didn't hate the record. There's a couple of sort of quite sort of nice poppy, poppy rock stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't be listening to it again. <laughs> I I expected that because it is pretty much. I mean, I mean, it's such a product of its era, and like. I mean, do you have you listened to it recently? Do you? Because yeah, I'd be interested in. You uh, know, do you still? What did you like? What did you like about it? Or I mean, what do you still like about it? It's. I mean the 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 thing about it is like. It it was so heavily driven by uh, crying, like and... yeah, like crying, like just general fucking teenage kind of like <laughs> yeah. bullshit at the time, and also just it really, really, it was really up there with like I was getting mad into like old Blink One Eight Two and stuff at the time, like I was yeah. in, I was really into the sort of more emotionally wrought pop punky like sort of slightly uh-huh. more. Slightly more melancholic. Yeah, yeah, like that uh, kind of stuff. I was more digging, and like, I appreciate, I appreciate the scale that the album's trying to tackle. Uh-huh. But yeah, in terms of like the emotional like impact of the album, it's definitely weaned away over time. Okay. There's absolutely nothing in it now that feels emotional to me when I listen to. Yeah, it. I mean, I when I feel when I, like I still feel like it's. A pleasant experience to yeah, listen absolutely. to for the most part but again that's just because of residual memory it's not like it, i'm sitting there thinking like oh like famous last words is like genuinely like it's mm-hmm. going to be like my death song or something like that no and, nothing and like that it's just what, it, what i can I, still see it for something yeah. that's kind of cool and what i came out of the album thinking was like i said with one of the earlier tracks is that it is teenage music for teenagers yeah and there's nothing wrong with that mm. it, like I, I can imagine the way it spoke to teenagers in 2006. If you were listening to this now as a teenager, it probably still speaks to you. Yeah. And probably you would love it. Yeah. I, I'm just 14 years past the age <laughs> that it would have appealed to me. Yeah. Uh, uh. And and it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's a good way to sum up. It's it's a perfectly competent pop punk album. Yeah. Speaking of, that was okay. 
Oh. Alice Coltrane's Journey in Sachidananda. I never guess. Sachidananda. Yeah. Sachidananda. There we go. Moving on. There was always going to be a, a moment where I had to give you a jazz record, so I thought, well, what could we go with? At least you did me the courtesy of giving me the most fucking, like, stripped back, accessible jazz album yeah. that I think anyone could possibly have given someone. Because it's mostly, pardon me, mostly driven by drums, double bass, harp. Mm-hmm. A lot of harp on this. Yeah. yeah. And a little bit of brass. And mostly it's it's all about her harp playing and it's all about her piano playing. Yes, yeah. And the album's kind of split in two. First two tracks are very harp driven. And then like... It uh, goes a little bit more piano for a couple of tracks, and then uh-huh. it gets back into the harp and yeah. stuff like that. The harp tracks, uh, you know, I'll just do the track by track because it's it, it all reflects okay. in like what I was thinking. So, first track is the title track "Journey" and Sita. Uh, I, I never get it right either, <laughs> but I just got it right. Sachi Dananda, Sachi Dananda. I keep getting, I can get it right. I know I can get it right. Um. Title track opens with this like plodding bass line, very, very bog standard, like kind of like, you know how you would imagine any bass out, al- any uh, jazz album to start <laughs> yeah, okay. is with a du- a walking double bass line. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Much right. fucking slower than that is plodding. Um, but then all of this lush instrumentation starts to build up, and it's like it's not a big band that she's working with, no. but everything sounds so layered and like so mm-hmm. thick and lush and stuff like that. It is a very pleasant experience the whole time you're listening to it and it's like I'm not taking away for that. It's like it is a very pleasant album to listen to. Um yeah the, the sax sort of kicks in a couple of minutes in well no a couple of minutes like minute or two in and starts to like sort of dominate the track. That and like apparently they were really into sleigh bells in this album because it feels like there's sleigh bells all over this Merry Christmas yeah, <laughs> yeah but like it just kind of to, obviously a lot of people just associate sleigh bells with Christmas yeah and I find it very jarring when it appears in music uh, yeah okay sure. um, but yeah it's sort of after a while though you get used to it and it's just it's part of the music by a point um, there's a lot of intense harp soloing all over it Um and it sort of takes control away from uh, from the sax. Uh, I've never really heard harp playing like mm-hmm. that. It's very intense. Yeah. It's all over the fucking place, and she's just going non-stop. So it feels like there's an ocean of harp noise going on yeah, it's at not any like, one time. It's not like sort of classical harp, but it's or like a dream sequence. In a, yeah. And yeah. like... Uh... <laughs> like an 80s um <laughs> sitcom yeah yeah nothing as delicate as that it's it's going constantly pretty mm-hmm. much it's like a drone of harp yeah which is um, another thing that i thought well maybe he'll he'll get into this. yeah yeah because yeah. i can i can totally get that like I, I really really i think i appreciated the harp tracks more than the piano led tracks because we've not mentioned drone metal in this episode so. no exactly we've got to talk about the fact that drone is really up a rally <laughs> Mm. But um, but yeah, starts it, it's got a, it starts really really strong with that track because it feels like it sort of incorporates everything 
that you're going to want from the piece. Um, Shiva Loka is the second track. Uh, it's got a little bit more spring in its step, more assertive percussion, lots of bells, less floaty, um, but definitely still a big mood. This is, uh, it's just, at this point, you could tell that the album was going to be this. Yeah. And it doesn't really change from this. Okay, yeah. No, that's and that's exactly what I expected from a jazz album, mm-hmm. a classic jazz album where it's like, obviously you can listen to something like The Comet is coming. Yeah, less indebted to hip-hop or funk. Yeah, you're yeah, talking more yeah. about pure jazz Aye. at this point. And it's like, when, they're, when they've are when got their fucking mindset on something, they're going to play it to death. Yeah, and that's no, the point of enough. jazz. Um, third track, Stopover Bombay. Uh she shifts over to the piano in this track. So the harp lended a lot more of that airy, sort of oceanic, sort of sweeping wall of noise kind of sound. Piano is more classically jazzy. Um, nothing wrong with it. There's definitely an urgency to the piano that kind of breaks the nice, sort of drony, uh, ethereal flow that mm-hmm. the, the, the music had before. Um Next track, something about John Coltrane. Um, the piano really shines on this track, um, but it's got just enough room in between all of the like sort of flourishes of the piano yeah. that you hear just how fucking good the percussion and the bass is. Because mm-hmm. when the bass is actually let let to like sort of let free away from just straight up plodding bass lines and stuff like that. There's some really great bass playing on this album and uh, some really beautiful, like, kind of scattering, like, husky, rattly drums. Like, very classically jazzy where it's all brushed. It's all done with brushes and stuff like that. So the drums sound very sort of hollow and husky and, like, it sounds so organic and real. I don't know, it's just sort of, because it's a live recording as well, it just sort oh, of yeah, feels sure. so earthy, something very earthy about it, yeah, and like it's, sort it's, of live and like living sounding. And the fact that it's live is like really sort of like, either they just got lightning in a bottle, yeah. or it's just like, it It sounds like it was recorded in a studio. Yeah, it's so clean. To, yeah. yeah. Really clean, except when the harp's really going yeah, to yeah, town, yeah, yeah. then it muddies the mix a bit because the harp's just so intense. Yeah, but, I'll give you that. Yeah. But that's not a problem. Yeah. That's not, it's just, it's one of those things, like the harp dominates those tracks, mm-hmm. but that's what she's going for, clearly. Um, then the closer, Iris and Osiris, harps back on the final track it's a long one uh it's a very long track it feels like a sort of combination of all the sort of sounds sort of brought together mm-hmm. on all of it um it's a nice sort of like there's a weird like time signature change done I know, about two I know, the, I know the bit you're talking yeah, yeah, yeah done about two thirds of the way through and the drums just sort of get a lot more punchy things just it breaks down into like a really really nice clean sort of rhythm change um, and then just goes straight for a big harp crescendo at the end to sort of bring everything together. Yeah, a uh, big noisy wave of sound. It is a very very pleasant album to listen to, okay. and there's a lot going on in it. I admire it, but I won't be listening to it again. Still, 
isn't it slightly impenetrable or absolutely not i would say it's very very accessible right as okay. far as jazz goes i'd say this is like well that was my sort of rationale yeah. for picking it I was yeah like, yeah, you know. yeah but unfortunately as a result of it being accessible it also kind of feels like it doesn't challenge you okay All in right. any way it's it's very much like it's a very passive album Okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's like I think it, you know because on the album it says sort of bit to best to listen to best lie back and yeah yeah so yeah I get I give you that yeah that's, and that's fair not yeah. a negative that's not absolutely not a negative it's just however it's not going to be it's not going to be something I revisit because yeah. I feel like I've got everything out of it after three listens okay yeah fair enough and that's not yeah it's just it's one of those things unfortunately jazz has. I feel like jazz has almost been tainted by how fucking good, like, especially brass players these yeah. days. Brass players are so good these yeah, days not... that it's almost tainted old jazz because people have made sax sound like sax has never sounded before. No, yeah, yeah. That... People have okay. brought in all sorts of different weird instrumentation. I was watching a band called Moonchild recently. Oh, right, okay. And they had fugal horn. And stuff like that oh, right. in it as well. Brass instrument I'd never fucking heard of before. It's just in there. Fair and on. it's like, it's just, and these people were like moving from piano and playing the flugelhorn at the same time. Okay. To then playing flute and then immediately going and playing the acoustic guitar. Cool. They were playing all, right. all these things and there's like only four of them in the band or whatever. Mm. And it's like, jazz has came so fucking far. Yeah, no, so I, far it's, it's definitely it's definitely had a resurgence mm-hmm. uh, in the last ten years, and the mm, sun's a comet exists now. Yeah, so you don't need it now. The comet is coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's okay jazz right. music that fucking gets you, like grabs you around the head and shakes you. Yeah, and this album isn't about that. But that again, not a bad thing. It's just not something I'm going to go back to. Fair enough. So maybe in a year's time we'll leave it. We'll leave a jazz <laughs> record, and I'll give you something slightly more challenging, maybe. Yeah. Something, okay. Fair something, enough. Yeah, yeah. Something borderline obnoxious. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, phone my dad. Um, um, dad, yeah. what's the most annoying jazz record? <laughs> but it's ra- good. Um, but yeah. roundly, a very nice album. Okay. Cool. So, shall we give each other an album for the next time? Because I've, I've been this one, this one I think might be more interesting because it's more of a a philosophical uh, <laughs> question than we've had had before. Yeah. For the book club, uh, or the what are we calling it? The, the Bok Club. For the Bok. Apparently, cl- we're calling it the Bok Club now. For the Bok Club, uh, the next album I'd like you to listen to is an album called Floral Shop by Macintosh Plus. Oh no, Vaporwave. No, yeah, no, no, I was thinking about this, right? Because we've come to the end of the decade. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I too, when I first heard Vaporwave, I was like, okay, it's Mimi, and that's it. Yeah. But I was looking at these sort of musical theory and music, sort of more philosophical takes on music of the last decade. Yeah. And there's a lot of writing, quite quite serious philosophical writings about vaporwave, <laughs> which I found interesting. And I read a couple. Basically, the idea that a lot of people have with vaporwave, whether it's accidentally philosophical or 
or whether it's picked up on something on the cult from the culture. Mm. Um, there is a writer um, called uh, Derrida, sort of famous French philosopher. Yeah, and he came up with this idea of hauntology. And to give you a, a brief idea of what I get about it is is it's in a book called The Spectres of Marx, and it's effectively is that. Living in a consumer consumer society, we're at a point where we're haunted not only by the past, but the products of the past. <laughs> and this is then taken up by another writer um, called Mark Fisher, and he had this theory of lost futures. Okay. And he and others wrote a lot about Vaporwave because what it effectively does is it takes the sort of consumer junk of the 80s and the 90s. But there's a strange strain of melancholia to it. Okay. So I read this having not listened to Vaporwave in years, and then I listened to this album, and I got it. I was like, this is interesting. Mm. So the reason I'm asking you to listen to this album, you might have listened to it before, but... Just tell me whether I'm fucking crazy or not, <laughs> right? Listen to this album and tell me, is it A, more philosophically nuanced <laughs> than you initially thought? Is it B, a meme? Or is it C, both? <laughs> I would go with C. Yeah. I think it works on a meme annoying level. <laughs> But there's something strangely melancholic and sort of quite sad and, and longing about the record that I didn't expect. Hmm. So maybe maybe what to do is listen to the album once, <laughs> then watch a couple... There's a couple of YouTube videos about the philosophy of Vaporwave, yeah. like 10-minute sort of things. Watch those <laughs> with that in mind, then re-listen to it and tell me whether I'm just fucking nuts. It's actually it's something I've had slight exposure to is the theory. Uh-huh. Uh I have not listened to anything beyond the the song that gets used from this album. Yeah, four twenty. Yeah, yeah. It's a great song. It's a great it's... song. <laughs> uh, and and because it is so prolific amongst like meme culture and stuff like yeah. that, I was I I, I just automatically dismissed well, that, that it that was being, my like, thing as well like but like the theory videos do genuinely give a little bit of it it ties intrinsically with um you know the uh dead mall series yeah yeah it tries it ties intrinsically with that as like you being you being able to walk through and actively experience the the dying of old and neglected uh, neglected parts of commerce and capitalism yeah like because we are the children of late capitalism so this is our music now and, and <laughs> like, this is what we get now and that was like i i've been listening like i haven't listened to it since it came out yeah and you'll just listen to it as a joke <laughs> in 2011 but i've i've found i've listened to it like five times six times maybe <laughs> in the last week okay and i'm like there's something i'm getting from this Okay, and I don't what I don't know whether I'm picking up on something in it, yeah, or whether I'm just older <laughs> and I just feel more dissatisfied with <laughs> consumer culture. I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm actually. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Hall and Oates abandoned luncheonette. 
Hall of Notes. <laughs> okay. It's an album that I know of purely because my mum is really into Hall of Notes. Okay. And she started playing Hall of Notes stuff when I would go up. Uh, in the past couple of years, I've sort of found myself hanging out at my parents' house, just sort of drinking a little bit of gin and just sort of like listen, they listen to like music from their past. I listen to music that's now and like I've been trying to expose them to more stuff. They've been trying to expose me to older stuff. And one of the things that my mum played amongst many other things is like hollow notes are fucking great. Okay. There's some really great hollow note stuff and Abandoned Luncheonette is like my mum's favourite hollow notes album. So I gave it a listen. There's some genuinely amazing instrumentation on this album. Like, there's moments on Holly Notes' abandoned luncheonette that sounds like fucking smooth as fuck prog to me. Okay. It's dense. There's parts of it that are genuinely dense. Um it's a yeah, it's a very mellow album though, so it's not exactly some it's not anything you're gonna like really, really dig your teeth into. It's not anything crunchy, but yeah. it's a, it, it's just a great sort of soft, soft as fuck kind of <laughs> rock, uh, like solely kind of ballady pop. Okay, like singer songwritery, even vaguely folky. There's influences of okay. everything in it. There's like. I'm interested. Yeah. It's uh, it's very, very much what you would expect from a Hollow Notes album. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, oh, I'm up for it. I know, I know, like the singles. I know, like yeah. some of the singles, but oh, I don't, yeah. I don't really know anything about Hollow Notes. Um, okay, cool. All right. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, that's the, it for uh, a year. Yeah, the whole the whole year is done, and we're gonna. We're going to welcome you into the next year with our rundown of the best albums of 2019 and maybe a little re-evaluation of our 2018 lists because yeah, I know it's yeah. something we've been meaning to do. So have a fantastic end of 2019. Yep. And, uh, Don't let the bastards grind you down. We will get through this together. <laughs> it, Things will be okay. Yeah, it has to get better because... It can't possibly get any fucking worse, exactly. can it? So, here's to a mediocre to okay 2020. I'm hoping for good. I mean, we're not going to get good, so we might as well hope for something realistic. Aim for mediocrity, <laughs> yeah, and then maybe we'll be happy by the end of the year. Yeah. Don't go in with hope. That was the problem with the election. We had hope <laughs> there, there would be change. Exactly. Um, Go into it imagining the worst and you might get something better than that. Yeah, fair enough. That's our advice. So, have fun. It's <laughs> going to be great. Bye. <laughs>